I just want to share with you this morning, we've been working through this whole series on the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And a part of the reason why I'm laboring in this area is because it doesn't matter how much you as an individual know about Jesus or how empowered you are by the Holy Spirit as an individual. It doesn't matter how much engagement you are personally having with the works and the power of the Holy Spirit as an individual. The, the way that God is invading the earth is through the people of the kingdom. Now, the people is a collective term. And unless the body of Christ is healthy and functioning and empowered as a people, it's like we may as well be, tr- you know, trying to... If it, have you done a three-legged race? Those things are really really tricky you know and most of the time you end up falling over and coming a cropper but that's what the church is like we're kind of walking around clunky we're kind of walking around disempowered but disempowered not functioning properly not flowing properly because we haven't understood the reason the spirit was poured out was a fulfillment of god issuing an invitation to the world to come and be his people not on fire individuals Now, on-fire individuals is a very important experience in the context of being one of the people of the kingdom of God. The body of Christ, the church, now please hear me, I'm not saying that the church is the kingdom of God, but I am saying that the body of Christ is the vehicle through which the kingdom of God is being witnessed to in the earth today. And every follower of Jesus, and I'm I'm laboring into this, I'm laboring into this because everybody that is a part that that has given their life to Jesus is is called and commissioned to be a highly effective, empowered, spirit-filled, functioning part of the ongoing witness of those people telling the world God is real, God is alive, and and we we walk this together. Now that is that the biggest hurdle that we have to get through in regards to all of this is that the fact that we live in this very individualistic, very consumeristic, very self-focused culture, context and life that we live. We, we've, we, we don't understand community well. We don't understand being aware of others. We build big fences around our homes. We isolate, we withdraw, we protect, we defend, we shut down and we hold at arm's length the rest of the world in our hope that we can manage our own self. But in doing that, we actually, as, as individual Christians, as doing that, we shut off the fact that God's called every single one of us to be a gift to the world. And the way we do gift to the world is we do it together as the body of Christ. Last weekend, last Sunday, we pushed into that scripture again in 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul says, you are the body of Christ. And we use the illustration that, that, that an, an, an old school watch, you know, the ones that maybe some of us have never had one of those, but you have to wind them sometimes. And, um, well, mine even has winders on it, but it, it's actually battery operated, so I don't even have to wind the winder anymore. But anyway, if you pull the back off an old school watch, inside that watch is all these different size cogs small cogs, big cogs, all these gearing systems. 
And they all work together in, uni- in unity and with a sense of, um, you know, being synchronized with each other and interconnected with each other so that on the external, on the outside, the big hand, the little hand and the second hand can keep in time and function properly. That the outward workings of the watch would be functional and helpful. If the internals aren't working, the externals don't work either. And this is why I, I personally am in a space where I, where I feel, partly because of the fact that the Lord's calling us to have a bigger responsibility of the body of Christ, but in, 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 in leading and caring for the body of Christ, but my, my, my understanding is that God needs us all to be a part of this deal and not just attending this deal. Not just sitting on the sideline watching others do the deal. But whether you feel like you've got it all together or whether you feel like you're barely functioning emotionally or spiritually, you've been called by Jesus to trust him to use you and me for his greater glory as we do this together. And we become aware of each other's needs and we become compassionate towards each other. And by the way that we choose to honour the grace and the gifts and the love of God that's on each other tells the world that Jesus is real. That Jesus is real. You know, it's, it's, it's re- it really is time to move past your, our offences with the church. I mean, the world's got enough offences with the church. We're the followers of Jesus. Let's just love her. Let's just love her. Let's choose to look beyond the things that offend us about each other and just love like Jesus did when he hung on the cross. He just chose to look past all the offences of the world. In fact, I should rephrase that. He didn't choose to look beyond the offences of the world. The scriptures actually say he took on all of the offences and all of the sin of the world in upon himself and chose to bury it and then rise above it in the power of the Holy Spirit on the third day. So that we could now consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God, as Paul would use that language. I mean, the church, let's start loving the church. And, you know, one of the things that I constantly, like, am battling both within myself, in my own thought processes, and in the conversations that I hear all over the place, not just, I'm not singling out Vineyard Pine Rivers, I'm just thinking, and listening to the conversation in the body of Christ of so many people belonging to churches where they look at their own church and go, there's so much inadequacy. We haven't got enough people to do this. We haven't got enough people to do that. I am of the thorough conviction that where the Holy Spirit calls a people to gather, there is every resource, every resource to be faithful so that we can fulfill the mission of God in our region and in our life together. There is not one thing missing here or in any other local church. It's all there. Our God is sufficient. He's poured out his spirit with generosity. The question is, have we chosen to live alive to the fact that God is generous and that God has supplied all our needs in Christ Jesus and that in the body of Christ, there is, when we gather, there is every resource required for us to be faithful about reaching our region for Jesus. We're not missing anything. 
We're not missing the right people. We're not missing the right worship leaders. We're not missing the right children's ministry leaders. We're not missing the, the amount of money that we need. It's all here in the body of Christ. The question is, have we realized that? Have we actually given ourselves to that? I'm of a thorough conviction that God doesn't give himself sparingly to his people, but generously, overwhelmingly. He loves his church, and we should too. Just choose, just, just, let's just like choose to love the church, like love the church, like Christ does. Paul uses that language. Love the church. Don't pick on her. Don't throw stones at her. Don't point out your, your perceived sense of offense or inadequacies about her. Love her. You know, I think about, wow, I think about the way that my family choose to love me. And I, I got to tell you, there's, I got a lot of things about me that are in process. I'm not sure about you, but for me, there's a lot about me that's still in process as I'm trying to follow Jesus and figure out what that means. And how to be a dad, how to be a husband, how to, how to be faithful in my sense of vocation and life callings, even as we all are. I'm, I'm in process. I'm trying to figure out how do I love those that hurt me inside the context of my family? How do I look beyond? And, and then I'm amazed at the way my family chooses to love me at the end of the day. They still, they still welcome me. As to like I'm talking my immediate family here. I, you can ask my, my children, Caitlin and Sarah and Luke. I'll tell you, you know, there's a few things about dad that are just like, wow, you know, eh, he's a bit ordinary in these areas. And sometimes he's a bit short with us. And sometimes he doesn't understand us. And sometimes he, he gets it really wrong. But they still love me. I, they love me somewhere in their little hearts, in their growing, maturing relationship with me as their father. Somewhere they've chosen to say, you know what? I'm just going to love you because you're my dad. And they looked beyond the stuff where they could choose to want to separate or hold a fence. Now, I thank God for that. But let's just be like that with the church. Let's just be like that with the people of Jesus. Let's just choose to love and live in the power of the Holy Spirit as we do that. Now, that was a really big segue that is just not even here in my notes. But um, this morning I want to uh, continue on this series of um, spiritual gifts. And for those of you who, uh, you know, we just put this up. This is the full golf bag of tools or clubs that we um, call Vineyard Pine Rivers. All of these dynamics are going on in the, the story of God through this place. This is what we give ourselves to. We teach the Bible as the Word of God. It's got, live, it's got application for our lives. We, we minister to the poor. We love to reach out and tell people in every way and at every level that Jesus is good. We have an emphasis on healing signs and wonders. We love small group life and ministry. There's so many groups that are kicking off around this place at the moment. It's wonderful. Get engaged. Uh, effective training and equipping people for works of ministry. 
involvement and interaction with church, other churches for church unity. We believe in good, meaningful worship, the encouragement, the exercise of spiritual gifts and missions, world mission and local. The encouragement and the use of spiritual gifts. Now, these are all of the gifts of the Spirit that the Bible has listed out, and we've been slowly working our way through all sorts of ones. We've looked at the prophetic. We've looked at um, um, speaking in tongues. We've looked at interpretation of tongues. We've looked at helps. Um, we've touched on weighing prophecy. Uh, this morning, I just want to talk a little bit about discerning of spirits because it's another one that Paul talks about. If you've got your Bible, would you open it up and get it ready? Uh, there's... The, the main scripture I actually want you to open up to is Acts chapter 8. And there's a story in there starting at verse 9 that I'm going to pick up on in a minute. And as you're getting your Bible ready at Acts chapter 8, I want to tell you a story. Not long after I became a follower of Jesus in, in my late teens, and I was getting really like given to the fact that Jesus was drawing me and calling me for a life of following him. And as I was trying to you know, give myself to that, at one night at this church service I went to, at the church I belonged to and was participating in, this young lady who was my age, uh, she came up to me. This is before, you know, I'd met Nick or anything. But this young lady, she came up to me and she's, you know, she was an attractive young lady. She was attractive. She loved God. She was like a very pleasant person. She came up to me and she said, Kirk, I've been praying. And the Lord's told me, that you and I are going to get married. And I was like, wow, firstly, that's really flattering. <laughs> it's like, wow, that's cool. But on the other end, I was, I was like, now that's just awkward. That's just darn awkward. And so in the moment, I was like, what do I do with that? And so I, I can only say it was, you know, those times when, you know, the scriptures talk about, it's okay, the Holy Spirit will give you what to say. Well, I really leaned into him. I was like, what do I say to this, you know, person here? He's like, so I said to her, I said, well, thank you very much for that. I said, um, I find that very interesting. And I'll let you know if the Lord tells me the same thing. And I'll let you know if the Lord tells me the same thing. You know, I can remember hearing her words and yet at the same time as, you know, it, my ego kind of went, oh, that's, that's nice. That's very nice to know. Uh, at the same time as a follower of Jesus pursuing the work of the Spirit, my heart was full and then all of a sudden in the midst of that moment, I could hear this hunch, this Holy Spirit hunch. And it felt like, you know, like when the referee blows the whistle on a penalty on the football field or you're watching the game or, you know, everyone's been watching the Olympics the last few weeks. It's like red card, red flag, red this, stop that whistle. It was just one of those moments like, whoa, 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 whoa. There was something about this that just wasn't right, as nice as it was. And as I reflected after that moment, I said to the Lord, what was all that about? And he said to me, don't worry about that because it just wasn't me. Discernment is a part of the Christian journey. 
learning to understand the voice of the Lord, learning to understand the ways of the Lord, learning to grow in the conversation and language of the Lord. All of these things are a growth process. And, and, and I want to encourage you, even, even like Paul, when he was talking to the Corinthian church here in 1 Corinthians that we've been drawing heavily on over the last little while, he, he even says to them, look, you, you only see in part and hear in part. In other words, like looking into a mirror that's dim. You know, at best, on our best days of hearing the voice of the Lord, the context of hearing the voice of the Lord and bringing prophetic words to each other and, wor- and words of encouragement to each other is in the context of a functioning church, of the body of Christ, of people living and doing kingdom life together for the sake of Jesus. See, we're a gift to each other in the discerning process. Um, I can tell, I'll just share a story about Nicole. She's working with the children this morning next door. But um, for many years now, it's been really great to watch Nicole grow in this particular gift, the discernment of the distinguishing of, or distinguishing of spirits. The phraseology I'll unpack in a minute. But for many years, Nicole used to be going about her daily life and then she would have what she would tell me was, I just had a really bad thought about a person. And she would think that it just needed to be, oh, just brush that away. That's a really bad thing to be thinking about that person. Or she, she was discovered that in places where she worked or schoolyards where she walked or people that she would interact with in the course of a day, she would begin to experience thoughts about people, sometimes even in the isolation of her own conversation with the Lord. She would just have these random thoughts about people. She'd go, oh, that's terrible. Just, I just brushed that away. But over the years, Nicole has realized that in those moments, the Lord is actually trying to give her a piece of conversation so that she can help those that that conversation is about, so that she can care for them, so she can pray for them, so that she can walk with them. Sometimes Nicole has lovely thoughts about people, and they're lovely thoughts that God is about to either visit them or break through in their circumstances and their provisions provisions or their relationship settings or their workplace environments or you name it, all sorts of things. But she has these lovely thoughts and she really, really enjoys those. But sometimes she has these what we would call unlovely thoughts. That person is having an affair. That person is falling into the power of addiction. That person is carrying serious amount of demonic activity. And when those thoughts, those thoughts that aren't so lovely come to her, her tendency is to want to brush them away. But Nicole has continued to learn that these are moments where God is actually inviting her into a conversation of prayer and care for people around her. Um, it's, it's been interesting to note when she has these um, not-so-lovely thoughts 
that within days and weeks and sometimes months and years, all of a sudden those things transpire, take place right there in front of her life. And, and at that moment, she all of a sudden goes, that, that was what you were trying to let me know, Lord. Discernment is a gifting that can be grown and matured. Just like we talked about last week, gift, role, ministry, office. The ever-developing nature of the work of the Spirit in our life. What would it look like if we actually gave ourselves to a conversation with the Lord that said, Lord, we, I, we want to be a discerning people, discerning of your Spirit, discerning of what dynamics are going on around us, and discerning for the well-being of others. We want to be a discerning people. Have you got your Bible? Acts chapter 8. This is just a good story or an account of um, this gifting at work. Um, Sorry, just before we get to Acts 8, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11 reads, Now to each one... The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, different kinds of tongues. Uh, Yes. And all of these are the work of the one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. Now let's pick up here in Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, the setting is this. Philip has just been through Samaria. And Philip has been preaching about Jesus. And with that has been this great move of the Holy Spirit. Lots of signs and wonders. In other words, people have been experiencing the kingdom in its fullness through Jesus. The declaration of the kingdom. The healing of the sick. um, Eyesight being returned. The, the oppressed are being set free. The demonized are being delivered. All of this is taking place. And there's this great wave of people that turn to Jesus and give their life over to Jesus and enter into the kingdom of God. And so much so, this was happening, that the early um, uh, Christian community, the leaders of the early Christian community decided, we need to send some support in there. Because there's this new wave of people coming into the kingdom. And we need to go and help. Who are we going to send in? So they decide to send in Peter and John. And so um, now in this great move of the spirit that's taking place through Philip's ministry, there's a whole bunch of people that come into the kingdom. And one of the people that come into that sweeping work of the Holy Spirit is a guy called Simon. Now Simon prior to meeting Jesus, Simon is what we would call one who practices the dark arts, magic arts, a sorcerer. Uh, Luke writes it and describes it as a sorcerer. Now, I'll I'll unpack a bit of the dynamics of that in a minute, but let's pick up there in verse 9. Now, Simon has become a follower of Jesus. He has seen what's taken place through Philip and the declaration of the kingdom and people coming to Jesus and seeing the signs of the king. And Simon has gone, 
I too am going to come into this kingdom. And he turns his life over to Jesus. Verse 9. Now for some time a man named Simon who practiced sorcery in the city amazed all of the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great and that all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention. So people high and low. He's just talking there about just every level of society. Top end of town, bottom end of town. Everyone is being turned over to the attention to Simon. And they exclaimed this about him. This man is the divine power known as the, capital G, great, capital P, power. Now that's quite a, that's quite a title, isn't it? It's like this guy's practicing sorcery. In other words, he's moving in dark spiritual manifest power. And one of the fruits of that is, is people being overcome with their mental faculties to a place of insanity, of being unable to discern and distinguish and bring any sense of leadership to their own life. They fall under the power of Simon, the great power. Now, the great power, I believe, was a demonic infrastructure, and I, won't, I can't unpack that all for the sake of time this morning. But simply to say... Simon was wielding great dark power and people were coming under that power and influence. Verse 11. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. In other words, he was able to perform manifest powers. Just go back and think about when Moses was leading the people out of Egypt. Okay, so Moses would throw his staff on the ground and it would turn into a snake. The, the magicians of Egypt would throw their staffs on the ground and they would turn into snakes. Now, Moses' Moses's staff and snake was pretty cool, though, because it would eat the others up. But nonetheless, what it's an illustration of is there is a counterfeit kingdom dynamic at work in the earth of both the kingdom of God and the reign of darkness. And so this is what's happening here as, as this is being unpacked. Now, let's just give you a... A setting of understanding of what might a sorcerer look like today well everyone that ascribes i would just put them straight into this category everyone that ascribes into the new age movement everyone that's practicing any other form of spirituality that they would ascribe power and influence to that's spiritual and real other than jesus it's just that simple for me as i read the scriptures it's jesus or everything other <laughs> Okay, um, now let's not just make it about that. Let's also make it about who, who would be the sorcerers today. Well, anybody, point blank, anybody who wants to exert spiritual influence and authority and power over you without you giving it to them. Whatever power it is that they're operating from, or for whatever reason, or for whatever um, gain, personal gain that they're exercising that kind of thing, that, that's just all sorcery. It's all moving in counterfeit power. It's real, but it's counterfeit. In other words, it's a, it's, a, it's a cheap imitation of the very real power of the living God. It's, you know, people counterfeit money. People treat it to the unknown eye. They go, oh, that's, that's a $100 bill. But to the trained eye, they're able to go, that's a counterfeit bill. Because when you put that counterfeit bill next to the real bill, you can tell the difference. Okay, So this is what's going on. Verse 12. But when they believed Philip, so Philip's been on the scene now, 
as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized and followed Philip everywhere, and he was astonished by the great signs and miracles that he saw Philip doing. So Simon the sorcerer at this point becomes Simon the follower of Jesus. Okay? Simon, the follower of Jesus. His identity's changed. He's been baptized. He's by faith entered into the waters of baptism, publicly telling everybody, I now belong to Jesus Christ and ascribe him as king and great, the, the great power over my life and authority structure over my life. So he's gone through that process, much like all of us. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word, they sent Peter and John to them. And when they arrived, they prayed for the people there because that they might receive the Holy Spirit because many of them, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of Jesus. And so then Peter and John would place their hands on them and they, people would receive the Holy Spirit. And obviously, the Spirit came with power and people came in and under the powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And when, verse 18, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the hands of the apostles, he offered them money. He offered them money and he said, Give me also this ability, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Now, let's not look at him like Simon the sorcerer. Remember, this is Simon the follower of Jesus. Now, Simon, the follower of Jesus, is now learn, learning what it means to actually be a disciple of Jesus. And what you do is you actually use the tools that you've always had until someone teaches you the new tools of the kingdom. So right here in this moment, Simon is kind of just leaning into what he's always known because no one's told him anything different. Have you found yourself like that? So you've got, we've got to have, you know, <laughs> some love. For the, he's, he's a part of the body. You've got to love him. Yeah, he's leaning into his old practices and ways. So he's leaning into his old practices and ways. And then here's what Peter says. So there's, Simon says, give me that. I want that power. And Peter replies, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he'll forgive you in having such a thought in your heart. For I, get these words, for I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. And then Simon answered, well, I mean, that's a pretty brutal. I mean, he's getting fully rebuked there. But that's... But Peter loves him enough to say, Simon, cut this nonsense out. Don't lean into that. That is the what I can see. What he's, he's exposing is the, the motive of why Simon wants this power. But the only way Simon knows how to engage with accessing the power is old practices. And at this point, Peter is challenging that and saying, lay down those old practices, mate. Ask that the Lord would forgive you. And there's a new way now. And now look at what happens. So he's been told to repent. And repent doesn't mean stop being naughty. Repent means have that 
considered change of mind now that you know that you know the truth. And so he repents. He says, pray to the Lord for me that so that nothing that you have said would happen to me. And when they testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages, Samaritan villages. It's a, it's a great illustration of here, Peter and John have discerned what, what's going on here in this situation. And if you want a little working definition of this distinguishing between spirits or discernment is the other word, uh, is, is this Greek word diakresis. And the word literally means to be able to distinguish, discern, judge or appraise a person, a situation or an environment. Ever found yourself stepping into, I don't know, it could be just like, I don't know, a, a, a schoolroom. It could be you've stepped into a workroom at work. It could be you've stepped into aisle seven at Woolworths. It just, and all of a sudden, you've had this glaring sense of something's just off here. Something's not right. Uh, it may be that you've, you know, you've looked at the person coming up the aisle at you and you've kind of gone, there's, some, there's just something not right here. It's like the little warning, warning is going off. There's a sense of discernment starting to rise in you. Now, often, that is not an invitation from the Lord to say, well, bring down your judgments on them with fire. What he's saying is, there's, a, there's some counterfeit kingdom activity going around here. And, and I've actually called you to be my kingdom bringer in this context. Just like Pete and John, just walk into those environments. Have you found yourself in those spaces where you can't been able to go, I'm not sure what it is, but something's just not right. And it, and it happens in churches. You walk into churches. I walk into here some days and I go, hang on a minute, something's not right. And I know it's, I know it's not my stuff because I've got that pretty much in check with Jesus. There's something else going on here. This is the way discernment begins to work. If you begin to learn how to distinguish what is the Lord and what is the enemy and what is angelic and what is demonic. And I can unpack those categories with more detail at another time, and I will. But this morning, I really just want to awaken us to the idea and to the biblical teaching that there is this spiritual gifting Discernment of spirit is a spirit-given ability to distinguish whether all of, where all of these dynamics are coming from and the highest manifestation of this gift of discernment is not to see what the enemy is doing but to discern what the Father is at work busy doing that we might partner with him to see the kingdom come for people. It's not to, it's not to get wrapped up and caught up in what the enemy is doing. The enemy will be busy. He has to be busy because the Father is always at work advancing his kingdom in the earth through the cause of Jesus and through Jesus' people. The discerning work of the Spirit, yes, we can identify that that is a demonic activity, that is an angelic visitation, that, that there is, um, is just, that's just a human being being a human being. Um, it, it, we're able to start to figure this out. 
But it's also, it's all for that we might understand what God's doing. See, God is so busy right now. He is so busy right now, loving the world into his kingdom. He is so, so busy right now doing that. With everyone that you're, you're thinking about that's not with you today, family, friends, work colleagues that are far away from the kingdom or very close to the kingdom, all of those people that are consuming your hearts and thoughts and prayers right now, Father is so busy loving them and reaching towards them, inviting them to come to him through Jesus. He's always at work. Our, our invitation is to join him in that, in that work. Now, discernment is, um, I've just written up some categories here um, how, to maybe reflect upon for yourself of like, how do, I, how do I know if maybe this is something that's more than just a situational grace, which we can all experience in this moment, the situational grace of the Holy Spirit is he's helping me to understand what's going on, discernment, and then the journey from situational to investing in a relationship with the Lord that says, I really want to mature this gift. I want to grow in this gifting. These are maybe some of the things that you, you can reflect upon. Firstly, do you even have a desire to grow in this gifting? If you do find yourself going, Lord, I want I want to grow in this. this. This is a good thing. Pay attention to that. Pay attention to the invitation of the Holy Spirit. That you actually have a love for and, an action, and, and a desire to increase in your love for the presence of God and what he's doing. You are sensitivity. You have a sensitivity to um, the presence of God in spiritual atmospheres. In other words... You walk into a room, you can tell what's going on. If you are sensitive to mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, to what's going on in the room spiritually. Um, just to give you an idea about that one. Uh, oh, no, I'll come on to that one about childhood. Um, you feel a little different. In other words, you kind of sometimes maybe feel like, am I going crazy having these thoughts? Am I, maybe I'm just a bit too weird and I just need to dial this off and turn this off. No, you are not weird. You are not, because what you are doing is you're asking God to equip and empower you with his spirit to know what's going on. And it's a bit like, you know, I was sharing this story earlier, Nicole, and how sometimes she has these lovely thoughts and other times she has these really unlovely thought processes going through her. And what to do with that. You're not going crazy. Many people in the life of the church experience life through their natural senses. However, for those who are emerging in this gift of discernment and distinguishing between spirits, you, you, can, um, you can begin to sense and see things that others don't sense and see. Like sometimes I am just like completely ignorant to what's going on in an atmosphere. But when I'm sitting with other people in the name of God, they can let me know and inform me what's going on. And I say, praise God for that. That's where being the body. You're helping me 
to understand what the Lord is doing in an environment and a room. That's why I like the team that meets every Sunday morning and starts praying in the, in the room before the service for words of knowledge and what are you doing, God, and where are you moving and what are you going to touch on? And they send me this big list every week. We've got, we got books full of people writing down, God's doing this, God's doing that. And it helps me to look for that, to be focused for that, to understand God's moving in that. But I do want to say that this ability can result in perhaps you feeling a little different, sometimes maybe a little un- misunderstood and sometimes even a little lonely, especially when you're starting out because you're trying to put language and words to understand what's happening. And, it, and it's, it's like being a child. You're trying to learn a new way of thinking and speaking. You're trying to learn to understand. I don't know if any of us in here have recently started new careers or new vocations where you've had to change from thinking and working like this to all of a sudden a new workplace environment. And you've had to retrain yourself. You've had to learn new tools. You've had to learn new language of process. All of that, is, it's just like that when it comes to this gift of distinguishing the spirits as you're growing up into what God's doing. It's important, and I want to encourage you, that if this is you, if this gifting is an emerging sense of, I think God's inviting me to grow in this gifting, please continue to find yourself in safe places of small group life and with others who are similarly gifted and yet, and yet accountable in the context of the body of Jesus, not some renegade group. Um, other growing signs, people who are growing in discernment gift may experience, begin to experience unusual visions. You may start having dreams as you pursue this gifting. You may have physiological sensations that are alerting you to what is going on in the spiritual realm in which we live. God has wired some of us and graced some of us with his spirit to be like this. And you're a gift to the body of Christ. And it's important that you play your part. Um, Childhood development signs. This is a really important one. And I think for many people um, who are sensitive to the spirit of God and also aware of the kingdom of darkness, it begins at a very young age, even pre-Jesus, like as in giving your life to Christ. I think God, you know, fashions us, and particularly for those of us who have grown up in the context of parents praying for you from the day you were born or even before you you know just even before you were conceived even you're praying that God would shape and fashion you and it's not uncommon that these big things begin to happen when you're young and small now my my daughter Sarah I she is just an amazing piece of work from God She's just like super, super creative and super sensitive. And at one point, where we currently live, at one point, the house next door to us is a rental. And um, the, at the, where, where Sarah's room is, there's the fence, or Sarah's room, the fence, and then there's um, the main room, main bedroom of the next door neighbours. So it's like just over the fence sort of thing. 
And when we first moved into this house um, five, six years ago, um, for the first few months it was all really great, nice new home, everything's beautiful. And then all of a sudden Sarah just started coming into our bedroom at like, I don't know, midnight, just about every night. And she would tell us, I can't sleep. And, and we were just like, oh, go back, you know, oh, yeah, bad dreams, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You know, completely insensitive parenting. And, um, we, you know, I'd you know, hug, hug and go back to sleep sort of thing. And, and, but poor, poor little Sarah was, would fret most of the night. And, and it got to the point where she would, like, s- sleep on the floor beside Nick every night. Every night. And we were just like, what is going on? We would pray. We would and this and this and that. But we didn't realise that Sarah was very, very um, um, sensitive to the spiritual dynamics that were taking place next door. Now, I heard the dynamics that were going on next door and I was just going, I I had the capacity to just rationalise it and go, that's just people being mean to each other. But for Sarah, it wasn't people being mean to each other. It, she was picking up on there is a spiritual war going on in that house and people are being afflicted and oppressed and worked over by the enemy. And so, but she was aware of it, but she didn't know what to do with it. And it, and, and it, literally, it literally lifted when those people moved out. They, they moved out and then Sarah, all of a sudden, she was fine to sleep in her room. It was like there was a dynamic shift in the atmosphere, not because we'd prayed anything, but because the people that were carrying that spiritual dynamic left. And the folk that came in weren't carrying that same spirit. And Sarah was able to sleep again. So all of a sudden, the light bulb came on for us. Hey, God's wired her in a particular way. And she's... It's, it's just been wonderful to watch and mature and encourage her to follow those promptings in her friendships in school, in her relationship with teachers, in her um, you know, social activities and all of that, is to encourage her, pay attention to those, those awarenesses that you're having. Because often, sometimes she feels great love for people and she wants to just go and like hug them and hold them. Sometimes she... She's like, God, she comes home and she's like, Dad, we just, I just want them to come to church with me. I know they won't, but I want them to, Dad. I know their family won't, but I want them to, Dad. Um, I just, and, then, and then she has this, also this great love for people that, um, and I, I think she's way maturer than me in some respects. She has this great love for people that continually like harass her. And she has this capacity, though, now to be able to go, that's just stuff and I'll still be your friend. It's incredible. She's got a lot to teach her dad. But it's this stuff happens in our childhood and I think for many of us because our, either our parents or our context or whoever, that got shut down and shut off because we didn't know what to do didn't know what to do with it. Many of us have been given this grace to discern what's going on in, in our childhood and yet we've um, it's been suppressed. Many of us, to know what lies behind a person's words and motives, a bit like, you know, the illustration there of Peter and John. They listened to Simon, the follower of Jesus, and they went, yeah, you're saying this, 
but we know what's going on behind those words. We can see, we can hear, we, we know what's going on behind the words. That's discernment. It's a gift of the Spirit to see what God wants to do. And ultimately, um, uh, you know, this sort of stuff takes place in the context as well of when prophecies are being delivered, when revelatory messages are being brought, those with discernment and distinguishing of spirits can go, yes, that is the Lord. That sound bite there is the Lord. That sound bite, that's just their stuff. And that sound bite, I don't know what that was. That was last night's pizza. But that sound bite was the Lord. That is how discernment and distinguishing begins to grow. And ultimately, it's affirmed and given encouragement by the body of Jesus. And uh, we talked about that last week. So um, let me just finish off with this because I'm going on here a bit. Um, uh, Yeah. I I just... Well, there's, there's a few things that I think maybe the Lord wants to do this morning. So when you hear me say those words that I think the Lord wants to do here this morning, what I'm actually doing in that space, I'll just give you an understanding of what's taking place here, is I'm actually saying, God, what are you doing? I need some help right now. Please give me the eyes to see and the ears to hear what you're saying and doing in this room. So when you hear me say those words like, that's, I think, you know, the Lord wants to do a few things this morning. That's really what's going on inside here, okay? We're just trying to create some space to listen and engage with God. What are you really doing here, God? Well, you know, as I'm standing here before you this morning and as I've been teaching this morning, there's a few things that I think the Lord wants to touch into. One is um, where we started, which was a big segue, which was lo- loving just choosing to love the church. Love the church. Not bitch about her, not moan about her, not throw stones at her, but love her. Like like when you drive past the Anglicans and you just say, God, just pour out every bit of your love and kindness for that Anglican church right there. They're your people. They're my family. Bless them, God. When you go past the Catholic school and the Catholic church, God, just continue to pour out your kingdom on on them lord use them for your greater glory god when you drive past a little independent pentecostal churches god just would you just flourish your kingdom through them when you do you get what i'm saying it's like there's this big shift of of they're not they're not the people i'm offended with they're my family and god loves them even as he loves us and we want everything for them even as we do for ourselves that kind of love I think we really need that in this hour to love the church. Um, there's that. And I also think that with regards to this gift of discernment, I think there's many of us in this room who, for whatever reason, and this is no statement of judgment, this is just the, the reality of the journey, that, that this gifting was somehow cut off or suppressed or shut down just because it has been whatever the situation is that you've grown up in or walked through. But Jesus wants to quicken that again 
and bring that alive again so that you can be a, a really powerful, dynamic part of the local church and as a gift to the body of believers. I, I, I just think maybe they're the two things that the Holy Spirit wants to zip in on this morning before we pray for these, these, um, these words of knowledge things. So as, as I've said that, I just want to. I want a whole. I want a brand new love for the church. I want to love her like God does. And or that gift of discernment was somehow shut off in you when you were young and whatever stage or age. It's just, but it's been shut off. And the Holy Spirit is quickening you again this morning to let that come alive. Could you just stand up where you are? Just those two groups. Two groups of people. I just want a fresh love for the church and that gifting of discernment just to be made alive in me. Now, I, I, I didn't go down the track and there's this whole other tangent that I could have gone down, which is all about creativity in the arts and music and poetry and um mathematics and all sorts of the disciplines of the sciences that are also discerning, distinguishing works of the Spirit to bring a revelation of Jesus into the earth. All of those dance, all of that. Let's just pray for you that are standing right now. Would you just close your eyes and, and just... Place your hands out in front of you. We're just going to invite the Holy Spirit. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We thank you for what you're doing in this room right now. Come. Come. Come more, Lord. More. We invite you to bring your rule and reign for those that are standing right now. And even as you do that, Lord, I, I, I pray now, Lord, for the heart, for your heart, God, for the church, your love for the people of the kingdom of Jesus in the earth, wherever they gather and whatever name or banner they gather under. Give them great love, Lord great love for your church. It just wash away any offence or pain. Just wash it away, Lord. Just wash it away. Just in your mercy, just wash, wash it all away. We're just like, like Simon, the follower of Jesus, Lord, have mercy on us too. Just wash away our offences. And let a love for the body of Christ come come now. Come now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just as simply and as beautifully as that. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Now, God, there's some of us that are standing right now, and even for some of us that are sitting still, 
this gift, this grace of your spirit got shut down or squashed or somehow cut off or suppressed. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're quickening this gift in your church again here at the vineyard. Here at the vineyard. Thank you. And we just pray, Holy Spirit, now for this gift of discernment, this this beautiful work of the Spirit, of the distinguishing of spirits, of being able to discern what's of the Lord here. Would you cause that to fan into a flame now, God? Just cause that to rise in our hearts and our chest. Cause that to rise, Lord. Let the fire of your presence just cause that to be quickened to us now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's it. More Holy Spirit. Just stand there. Just stay there. Just just stay there. I'm just going to read out some words over um, over those that need healing this morning. I speak in the name of Jesus to every respiratory condition and infection that's been in, in, in people's bodies. Just say, in the name of Jesus, infections, we break your power in Jesus' name. We just command you now in the name of Jesus to leave, leave, leave our bodies in Jesus' name. For those of us who have experienced and are experiencing abdominal pain and cramps, receive the kingdom of God. Receive the kingdom of God and the power of the Spirit right there in your abdomen. In Jesus' name. We speak healing over lungs. In Jesus' name. Over those who have got itchy eyes. We, we speak the healing balm of Jesus over your eyes now. And we're not practicing magic in this moment. We are inviting the spirit of the living God to do a work here. For those of us who have got sore feet under the ball of their feet and the arch of their foot, be healed now. All pain, go. Headaches, earaches, be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of Jesus. For those who are suffering pain in their elbow joint, we say, be healed now in Jesus' name. And for those who today are looking for that significant shift to see and know that God is good in every minute of every day of your life, we just say, receive the good news of Jesus today. Bring your kingdom, Jesus.